Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, at least this one is. I'm Calvin Reed, uh, a contributing editor at Publishers Weekly. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can find us on whatever's left of Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, on Google Podcast, and on Spotify. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And don't forget, you can leave us a rating or a comment on several of the platforms on which the podcast is carried. And we do love to hear from our readers, so let us know how we're doing. Drop us a note. All right, this week on More to Come, Angolim Prizes. Uh, the Eisner judges are announced. Hugo Awards debacle. <laughs> Lots of business deals. Uh, the Diamond Co- uh, Comics uh, Annual Summit uh, meeting canceled. And pop culture disruption. So, Angolim. Well, yes, uh, Angoulême, the biggest comics festival in Europe, certainly, and perhaps the world, uh, certainly world famous, was held over the last weekend, and uh, they gave out awards. And uh, Posey Simmons, the revered English creator, uh, won the Grand Prix, mm-hmm. which is, I, as I noted, I mean, I think she's the fourth woman to yeah. win, mm-hmm. but kind of more importantly, she was the seventh non-French creator to win mm-hmm. over the last, like, 14, 15 years. And so they are definitely opening up their, the, 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 the pool of winners to not be quite so French-centric. And, uh, though, though that said, she is quite popular in France and lived in France for a while. And in fact, when I went mm-hmm. to Angoulême last time, there was a panel with her, and I, I do love her work. Yeah. And I thought, oh, let me go see this. You know, it'll be in mm-hmm. English. And, and she just busts out with perfect French. I'm well, like, oh, there you go. There you go. People. Um, They're good. But anyway, the Grand Prix is given for a lifetime. Mm, or, like or, have you mm-hmm. got? You're, 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 have you read her her stuff? I've probably? read Gemma Bovary. I've read Tamara Drew. Uh, I did not know that there was another one. Well. As Cassandra I, Drake? Yeah, I never, I yeah. didn't know she had another one. I, and as I was writing up the story, as a matter of fact, I discovered that interestingly, uh, a lot of her work isn't in print anymore. Wow. In the United States. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a big wow to me. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's interesting that, like, I would say in the first blast of graphic novel publishing in the United States, when Pan, I think Pantheon put out her books. You know, I don't day. know. I have the I have the editions of the two books yeah, I me mentioned, too. I I, but I can't books. remember who published them. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, that was a long time ago, and certainly Posey Let's Simmons see. was had a pretty high profile. Um, but uh, one of them is actually was the the old Houghton Mifflin. Oh, imprint oh. Mariner books. Wasn't that, that that was Tamara Drew? Wasn't that did Meg do that? No. <laughs> um, did Meg do? I know Meg did. What was anyway? I, we're going off on a tangent. Yeah, okay, this is a tangent. Okay. But, but but anyway, right. um, I, it's interesting. She is definitely if you've never seen her work, which might be hard to find, but it can be found. She really is a masterful graphic novelist, just an incredible writer and artist. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Pantheon did do one. Yeah, and she's give pretty, over, yeah, give she's pretty mm-hmm. much a household name in England, so well deserved. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that was the Grand Prix. They give that out on the first day of the fest, or the pre-day of the fest. Uh, then the Fauve Awards. Well, they're not, Fauve is the cat. They call them the Fauves. <laughs> and, uh, they give those out. And shockingly, uh, the Pre-Door Golden Prize was won by Monica, by De- Daniel Klaus. And Amer- again, an American cartoonist won, which is extremely unusual. Uh-huh. And perhaps even more unusual, was that the best series award was won by the nice house on the lake by, uh, uh, James Tiny of the fourth. Mm-hmm. And I believe the artist is Alvaro Bueno, but, um, uh, yes, I think yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, wow. Called that one up. Uh, that's pretty shocking too, because it's, it's for two American comics to win 
major awards at the mm-hmm. Angoulême Prize. This is pretty unusual. Uh, but two very good books. Calvin, yeah. you were just saying, I thought the life scared the poop out. It, it really did. I haven't told him that. He, uh, <laughs> Tanyan was at the, um, uh, graphic novel day at US, uh, the US book oh, show yes, last yes, year. Yes. He was there and I had a chance. I said, dude, that book scared the S-H-I-D out of yeah. me. And he said, you know, he was very proud yeah. of well, his efforts. A, of, it's a pretty disturbing. <laughs> it really pretty is. Disturbing book. It really is. And I've only read volume one. Yeah. I can only imagine what volume two is like. Well, our man on the scene, Dean Simons, who covered it for the comic speed, he has yet to file his full report. But uh, he did say he hinted that there had been some some sky, some chatter on the quasette about two American comics winning. So yeah, uh, there you might go. Not well. Have, we'll see. You know, the French love drama. I hope I don't sound like a, uh, a, you know, a snob saying that, but uh, they love to talk about drama anyway. There you go. So, yeah. All right. Did we get all of the... I think so. Um, I mean, uh, okay. Other awards. uh, Oh, I think one did Moto Hagio get a... uh, Hagio get a uh, honorary. She got an honorary. Yes, she got an honorary. Yes, she won an honorary. Yeah. Uh, award there, which is also quite significant. So very, very good. All right. Uh, uh, well, well, other big awards given out here in the United States by the yeah. ALA. I, I mean, what used to be Midwinter ALA now is called Lib Learn X. Okay. Um. So, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, New Kid by Jerry Craft won the Newbery Award. That's the biggest moment ever for a graphic novel. At the ALA. Yes. And, uh, how, and so this year, nothing quite that big, but a few, well, look, I'll just tell you, there's like hundreds of winners and there's a big ass long list. I put them up on the beats. If you want to see everything, uh, I, I spent like two hours doing this to format it. Um, so I, I do, uh, there's also a story on PW, but my story spotlights the comics. I will say a runner up for the Newberry Award. Or the Caldecott, which mm-hmm. honors illustrators, was big by Vashti Harrison. Also, oh yes, yeah, we talked now, about that a little yes, bit. Yes, we talked yeah. about it. Now, this isn't quite. A lot of times, picture books are comics adjacent. This book does have kind of panels hmm. in it, so it's it's definitely crossovery. Uh, it's a beautiful book. Uh, let it definitely deserving. Uh, but really, the big winner in the comics area was Mexican, a graphic memoir by Pedro Martin. Uh, which was a Newbery Honor book. That's pretty uh-huh. huge. Uh, just to be an honor book. It is a graphic novel that was originally a web comic. Uh, yeah. some other books that won various awards. Worm by Adel Rodriguez. Family Style by Tin Fam. Big fan of that book. Parachute Ki- Kids by Betty C. Tang. And In Limbo by Deb J.J. Lee. Um, and Jovita. Well, let's see. What else do we have here? I'm just looking really quickly. I try. Oh, and also, Holding Her Own, The Exceptional Life of Jackie Orms, which is kind of a picture book uh, hmm. by Tracy Todd and Shannon Wright, also won a couple of awards, which is pretty awesome to see Jackie Orms uh, being remembered. Oh, yes. and The Talk, The Talk by Darren Bell, of course, another oh, book well, that's, yes. that we've talked yeah, about here yeah. quite a bit. But, One of our best books of the year yeah, also. But also... Well deserving. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all plotted. Terrific. So, but the big one was Mexican. It won quite a few. Uh, and I, I, it was also, it won the Pura Belpri Awards, which honor Latinx writers and illustrators. It won the overall award. So quite a nice, um, quite a nice, uh, honor, uh, for Pedro Martin. Yeah. Love it. All right. Um, Eisner judges announced. Sure. The slate for the 2024 Eisner Award judges have been announced, <clears throat> uh, and it's usually a group of uh, that includes comics professionals, educators, librarians, <clears throat> and very quickly, uh, Ryan Clater um, has been in, um, named as a judge, and he's the coordinator of the Comic Art and Graphic Novel Minor. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> uh, um, where he teach. Uh, he, he, Deep breath. Ryan Clater is the coordinator of the comic art and graphic novel minor and assistant professor at, uh, professor at Michigan State University, where he teaches comics and studio courses. Uh, there's also N.C. Christopher Couch, a professor, author, curator, veteran comic book and graphic novel editor. And Andrea Gilroy is the owner of Books with Pictures in Eugene, Oregon. 
and of course our own Joseph Illich. Yes. And <laughs> long time career, groundbreaking. Uh, he was an editor for the groundbreaking publishing house, uh, Milestone. In, um, he was an editor of Batman. Uh, he's a columnist, outspoken, uh, thoughtful guy and a writer, uh, himself. Uh, in addition, Matthews Lewis has been part of the comic book industry for over 25 years as a retailer, journalist, writer, and others things. Uh, and Julian Rhodes is the founder of Manga in Libraries, an organization that provides manga readers advisory lists, does webinars, and hosts workshops and panels. It's a great list so, as always. So congratulations to the new judges and we look forward. Oh yes. To your uh, picks. To your picks. And possibly reinstating the journalism prize. Maybe. Mm. It's up to you. <laughs> yes, not to we're be fine. too, we're put fine. too fine we're a fine. point on it. I mean, it's not like we were going to get nominated anyway, so go ahead. Go, do whatever you want. It's fine. I'm fine. That's right. I'm but, fine. you know. I'm fine. But you can put it back, you know. If you want. <laughs> um, so, those are good awards news. But, Kate, there was some non-good award news, right? <laughs> there yes. have some been some bad award news. So... Listeners, this is relevant because the Hugo's, the World Science Fiction Awards, um, include Best Graphic Story category. So this is a comics award, among other things. Uh-huh. And the Hugo's are one of the two most prestigious awards in science fiction and fantasy. They are presented every year at Worldcon, and Worldcon, by its very nature, goes to a different country and city every year. And this year, it was in Chengdu, in mainland China. And there were some problems Uh with the awards. Our headline called it a debacle. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I think that would, that would not be putting it too strongly. So, um, so, the, uh, the Worldcon, as part of the requirements of the awards, has to release the Hugo nomination and voting statistics along with awarding the prize. And the Chengdu Worldcon committee released their nomination statistics and people dug into them and they found some very interesting things. One of which is that there were more votes than voters. <laughs> oh boy. You know, Paging not Donald a good Trump. sign. That's usually, that's always a glitch. That's yeah. always a sign of a glitch. Well, I mean, it could be a glitch or it, it, it could be a human motivation. We'll, yeah. we'll leave it at that. Because among other things, um, two major science fiction releases, um, both by ethnically Chinese people, not from mainland China, uh, Jiren J. Zhao's uh, Iron Widow and R.F. Quang's Babel were disqualified for no apparent reason with no explanation. Oh. They were both nominated by people, but they were just wiped off the ballot as disqualified. Now, both of these authors, as well as being able to speak Mandarin, um, are ethnically Han Chinese and have been critical of the mainland Chinese government. So that might have played into uh, it. You know. So let's do let me just make sure I got this straight. Two people who uh are ethnic Chinese uh were disqualified from the awards. Yes. Be- and the official reason was none was given. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they were just declared ineligible. Yes. According to the uh Yes. Story here. Mm. Even though they fit the requirements of eligibility perfectly. And apparently, when uh, pressed for more details, (laughs) they constantly referred the questioners back to the original quote of, they're just ineligible. Yeah. So, but those weren't the only ones, right? Right? No, no. They were were the ones who were named ineligible. But there was quite another thing going on under the table because it wasn't just that people were officially declared ineligible, but that um, some things just uh, magically had zero votes. 
counted. Like the votes went in, but they weren't counted. Why weren't they counted? We don't know. But a magically equivalent number of votes materialized in uh, response to uh, completely. You're saying there was a recount? Well, it's like (laughs) if there were a recount, but they didn't ask you to vote a second time. Right. If they just decided they were going to give your vote to somebody else. Oh. Wow. Which screwed up the numbers. It is, people have described it as, and no one has come out and said it's not, uh, statistically impossible for these awards to have been awarded correctly. Now, there is some theoretical universe in which the fact that the books that got knocked out were ones that uh, would have been less popular with the Chinese government and that this is all just incredible incompetence. But if it is incredible incompetence, Wow, it's a doozy. Um, but nothing like this has ever happened. Well, well now wasn't there though some firings after this? Oh yes, yes there were. Wow. Now, part of what you have to understand, a part of what made this possible to begin with, is that the Hugo Awards and indeed Worldcon are entirely volunteer run. They are not paid positions. Um, so this both means that, um. It's hard to get people dedicated enough to do the work. And also that firing is not much of a threat. But even so, um, the figures in question, Dave McCarty, um, Kevin Stanley, Don Eastlake, Cheng Shi, and Ben Yellow have been all either censored, censured, not censored, censured, uh, reprimanded, or heavily leaned on to resign. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I wanna, I wanna just point out also that this was held in China, mm. in, in Chengdu, but the committee that put it together had some Chinese members, but a lot of them were Amer- like not Chinese. Right? Yes. Just to be clear mm. on, yes. on this. Because so the thing I is. I think it just shows that the, it's pretty, you know, whatever happened was pretty widespread. Yeah. Um, there are people who are not legally citizens of China and would not face any real blowback if they had stood up against mm. anything here. Mm. Uh that did that did not happen. But here's the thing about Worldcon. Apparently it's on kind of shaky legal basis, which uh came out as more lawyers trying to figure out, well is there anything that, you know, we can do to them or anything that uh, you know, can be put in place to prevent this kind of thing happening again. And, um, it, it degenerated into people realizing it had no trademark protection and people speculating on whether or not they could either make their own Hugo Awards or literally make a <laughs> physical Hugo Award in their basement out of silicone. Yeah. I can't say it would be any more, uh, scandalous than what happened in Chengdu. So, this has led to a certain amount of debate about whether world literary events and world fan events should be hosted in countries that engage in censorship. I mean, I was wondering if there was a lot of outcry when it was announced that it was going to China, because I mean, it's not exactly a secret that China engages yes. in incredible censorship, <clears throat> um, and especially of LGBTQ yes. issues, which science fiction fans are usually very knowledgeable and, um, you know, yeah. concerned for. Well, there there was pushback. There was pushback when it was announced. But, um, you know, obviously people pointing out the censorship issues, uh, but the reverse was, no, you have no evidence this is going to happen. 
you you're no just being racist. You're just being racist. And um, also, the one thing that I would say is a legitimate argument is that there's a huge number of science fiction readers in China, and if it's a convention for the world, isn't it a convention for them too? Which, mm-hmm. I mean, fair, fair but they enough. could yeah. affen- attend a convention somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 unfortunate, because it is true. And I mean, it's not their fault that they no. work for a country that is, yeah. you know, heavily censored. Just as, you know, the average president of Saudi Arabia. It isn't necessarily their fault that their government kills journalists. And so, you know... But uh, you maybe don't have a journalism convention there. Well, you... I mean, it's 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 a... I mean, when we were talking about the story in the run-up, I was comparing it to the World Cup, and it's funny because Kate said World Cup, not World Cup, but I'm like, well, it's you know the same. Well, like I mean, when yeah. they awarded the World Cup to, um, you know, Dubai, where you can't even play in the summer, and they had to move the entire professional soccer which is the most popular thing in the world, by the way, mm-hmm. to the uh to the winter. And I'm like, well, money talks. Yeah. Money. And of course, there were issues about LGBTQ at the World Cup. Absolutely. Um, uh, And I think one of the uh, hypotheticals I think mentioned in this article um, is the next world is does Florida bid for World Cons? Yeah, no. Um, uh, You know. Well, I mean, Florida does build for built, but I mean, but. (laughs) They were trying to make a point that you know local laws. can we need to anticipate this yeah. when, we're, when we're choosing well, where we go? To be fair, yeah. every I went to one World Cup, but it was like thirty years ago. But I do believe that they are very much into tradition. I can tell you that about science fiction fans. And I think, as you mentioned, each each time a World Cup, it's held every year, and very much like the World Cup or like the Olympics, various cities. Various fan clubs put in a bid. Yeah, they put in a bid. Yeah. So it's not like somebody just goes, okay, Worldcon's going to be in your city no, next year. No, not at all. No. Mm. It's competitive. It's competitive. And yeah. typically what happens is a city of some size somewhere in the world that already has a large science fiction convention of some kind and people who organize that science fiction convention argue why Worldcon mm-hmm. next year should be that. Yeah. Sure. And... Uh, if it goes through, then they will run it. There is no ongoing World Con right, correct. Con- convention correct. each year. There's a new one, and then they pass the torch to the next one. Yeah, and it's listen. It's a very interesting, and, yeah. and they take it very seriously. And I mean, I, it is very much like like it's a yeah. genuine literary yeah. award. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, a, yeah. And to be fair, I think some part of the reluctance to acknowledge the inappropriateness of China as a host country is that Worldcon has gone throughout numerous wars. Yeah, um, it's, been, been, it's not the first Hugo scandal. I no, but, yeah. but what I meant is like literal wars in the real world. Yeah. Like it's, it's the people who run it, see it much the way the people who run the Olympics see the Olympics as, as like a non-political unifying uh-huh. thing where, you know, to bring people together and foster international understanding amongst science fiction and fantasy fans, which I think is a wonderful goal. Absolutely. Unfortunately, this goal itself can be obstructed if you pick a country that is maybe not actually as positive toward that goal as the host. Yeah. Just say. Yeah. Well, it's, like I said, if you Google Hugo controversy, even as bad as Google is these days, you'll get but, a ton of but real most of them corkers. are things like uh people trying to get a bunch of people together to vote for them and saying we're the sad puppies <laughs> we literally at one point one yeah we're the sad puppies and uh you should vote for our books yeah so uh the only thing that's come out of this is it's probably hurt Uganda's bid for <laughs> the world con uh I'm not making that up yeah. That's an actual thing. Yeah. Wow. And there will be more to come, I'm wow. sure. Well, I, you know, just, yeah, this was definitely uh, lighting up my social media mentions and uh, Neil Gaiman. But like one of the ones that got disqualified was Neil Gaiman, was the yeah. Sandman, right? Yeah. On Netflix, which mm. and oh, for some reason incensed Neil Gaiman. And you don't want, listen, China versus Neil Gaiman, you know, <laughs> it might, yeah. okay. Here, here was the reason they gave. You'll love it. Yeah. The reason they gave is, well, 
there were two episodes nominated and you can't have two episodes of a series in the awards. And it's like, yes, well then pick one. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you don't disqualify both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why would they, you know, I don't even know. Would they throw out Sandman anyway? I mean, I think that some of the other things I don't, were, they, there was some connection to, but I don't know. Maybe you know, I don't know. Could be revolution or, you know, or, 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 or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, yeah, I, it got messy. Anyway. It's very messy. Well, all right. All right. Well, uh, returning closer back to home, um, there was a lot, there's, there's a lot of pacting and announcing going on. You know, it's January. We're, we're actually, it's February 1st as we record this and, you know, people have gotten over their holiday lethargy and they're getting about the business of announcing things for 2024. And boy, there was a lot of little news, newsy bites. Um, Calvin, did you follow any of these or I don't want to um, talk for like 20 minutes. I just, yeah. And there's quite a few, yeah, uh, business quite, deals here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I fielded one or two of them. Uh, obviously they, um, uh, well, I, I read it on the beat. Uh, the, uh, deal between, um, Edition de Dupuis and, uh, the giant Japanese publishing platform, Katakawa. Uh, so it's a joint venture. Um, it's going to, it's going to publish Japanese and Korean comics, light novels. I mean, uh, it's, it's sort of like and the it's French a, ink this, Yeah, and it's aimed, it's, yes. It's yeah. like the French ink lore. And, and to be sure, I mean, France is a huge market for manga. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, the second largest. They sell more manga. Yeah. I mean, they say second largest. I don't know if that's by per capita. I mean, it's hard to imagine bigger than the U.S., but yes, it's true. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're remitted to team up. I mean, Katakawa is a huge. Japanese, uh, media conglomerate to please very old, old, um, French publisher. But yeah, the, what they're going to publish is manga, webtoons, light novels. It's, uh, like yeah, I said, it, it sounds is like a Inglour. lot like Inglour. Yeah. So, uh, we are going, and I, I know I call them light comics. I'm the only one who does, but we are going to see, we need to come up with a name for this because this is going to, this, this umbrella is going to cover a lot more things, I predict. It's not going to be called late comics. It's not going to be called. I know. Manga what do, what adjacent. What do we call them? Manga adjacent? That's Manga. a terrible name. It's not, well, it's, yeah. at least it's not, you know, dragging us into a, uh, a yeah. Moving anyway, <laughs> I think the thing is, you know what it means, uh, more or less. Well, yeah. I think light comics says its own no. thing. No. What does that even mean? It's like light novels. It's, no. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah, You're trying I, to make yeah. fetch happen. Yeah. Fetch is not going to happen, Heidi. All right. Yeah. Um, now, there's also another, uh, another new company, uh, in fact, this was a publisher's weekly story, uh, Gun, Gunnir, uh, a new sci-fi fantasy publisher that's looking to do, uh, graphic novels in addition to, what else are they doing? Art books, uh, and prose. Uh, they've also already set up a distribution deal with, uh, with Diamond Book, uh, and they're doing some digital publishing through, uh, Global Comics. Which you've talked about. Yeah, right? and then, uh, so, but. And, and audiobooks apparently right. too. Right. And they just have a bunch of people involved, you know, Steve Orlando is uh, the, kind of the editorial director, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Let me put in the next thing after you done yeah, this. Yeah, go mm -hmm. ahead. Um, and so another pact is, um, so another pact is, uh, Kadansha is teaming up with Distillery. So Distillery is a very new American publisher, and they have announced they're teaming up with, you know, the Japanese major publisher Kodansha, um, to at first exchange artists for cover art, um, as sort of like a, a test pilot program to see how people in each country respond to different artists from the other one and to you know, encourage exposure. Um, so the first thing coming out of this will be a uh, cover for Becky Cloonan and Tula Lotte's uh, Samna uh, by the mangaka Shuzo Oshimi of Flowers of Evil. And then there will be more 
because the idea is that they're this is the first um part of a team up between uh distillery and Kadansha with the implication that there will probably be more to come. Yeah, well, Kadansha was one of the initial investors in Distillery, I believe. Makes they, sense. Along mm. with um, uh, also well. do, um, Delcor. Yeah. I mean, they got this international. Oh, good point. Yeah, because I had forgotten about yeah. their investors here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, by the way, Kadansha <laughs> is doing variant covers. Uh, also, like with the initial D Omnibus, they're going to do different covers for the direct market and uh, the Kanea exclusive. So it Variant is, covers but, just keep on coming. But, to contagion is spreading. Uh, <laughs> another newish, uh, publisher that kind of went, uh, you know, made it like diamond official this week was Magma Comics. Now they've been around a while. They were an imprint at heavy metal. Uh, but they managed to, to bring them, tear themselves away. Uh, new line launching with Brooks on Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, Eamon Winkle, Jason Starr, Dalla Bortologic, Steve Orlando, Megan Huang. It's run by Denton J. Tipton and Bobby Kurnow, who are, I think, formerly of IC, uh, IDW. Uh, but both of them quite, uh, prob- you know, they've been in the business a long time. So, uh, guess what? It's another line of comics, because <laughs> that's just what we need. <laughs> and. Bring it on. Another. Acquisition, albeit not of another country, company, by Kadansha, is of a new <laughs> yeah. property in New York City. A $27 million townhouse on 22nd Street, uh, which was previously the offices of uh, the nonprofit Hannah Charitable, and will now be serving as... Um, offices for Kodansha expanding their footprint in New York um, is well, well we don't know what they're going to use it for we don't, but, we but don't it's know. right it's only literally like about a block and a half from where we're sitting right now so I hope they invite us over yeah. sounds yeah. like a really cool place <laughs> yes it does yeah, yeah. Well, um, we'll come at Kodansha if you're listening uh, we'd love to come visit yeah okay here's what they say <laughs> um, Douglas Elements uh, this is my quote from the commercial observer I'm citing my source. Douglas Elliman's Simon Anderson, who represented Kadansha, said the publisher was drawn to the property's history and proximity to the traditional industrial center of book publishing. The company, which has offices at 451 Park Avenue South, plans to use its new home to, quote unquote, expand its presence in New York City and beyond. So by expanding its presence, I assume it means that they will have offices there. But you're right. It could mean something else. Well, it could be distillery. Maybe they'll have a little <laughs> distillery office there. I mean, they're packing. They're packing around. Good Lord. Uh, wow. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, okay. I mean, literally, there were so many little announcements. Like, for instance, there, we didn't even have this on our story list, but I just remembered it. Elijah Wood is launching his own kind of art print toy company that's sort of got the Mondo people involved it's like some of the people who left when mondo collapsed so he's putting together a consortium uh of of people to make collectibles and uh you know he also announced a comics uh venture with icv2 or excuse me i don't keep saying icv2 oni press oni press uh so yeah elijah wood is frodo's becoming more active in the nerd space uh also yeah also icv2 they actually did do something. Uh, yeah. they announced, now this is interesting. It's very interesting. Now, this is interesting. They announced ICV2 Direct. Now, uh, as we all know, friend of the podcast, Milton Greep, is formerly the owner, founder, head of Capital Distribution, which was the biggest rival to Diamond before various things happened and they shut down. But Milton stayed in the business with ICV2 which is doing for quite a while, but ICV Direct will be a new platform for sales direct from publishers to stores, the company announced. On ICV Direct, retailers will be able to order from multiple publishers with a single account on an easy-to-use platform. You know, that sounds like the simplest thing there ever was. Why is it hard? Why did hmm. nobody do this before? And essentially, now, are they just focusing on backlist? I was a little confused will about that. The order, send the orders and payment to publishers, and publishers will ship retailers' orders directly out of their inventory to stores. Um, well, inventory. So it does sound like, you know, I had a, a conversation with Milton about another issue, but we did mention this 
a little bit. And he says it's really um, something for smaller publishers who maybe aren't mm-hmm. uh, carried by PRH or Lunar or Diamond. And, um, you know, it just, I, I think one of the things people are very much concerned with is discoverability and having yeah. too many order forms. Yes. So this creates a centralized area where people can sign up. And I will say, uh, it, it's kind of like bookshop.org, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the terms are. You know, yeah. um, I mean, bookshop.org does essentially, uh, offer itself up as a turnkey solution for bookstores to sell. See, but this is a little well, different. But, but, this is ho- this is on the wholesale well, side, book, isn't it? Yeah, but I will say I know bookshop.org also but doesn't Ingram fulfill the orders? Don't they ship them from Ingram? Uh, probably so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean it is kind of the side like bookshop.org uh, which is a website you can go to and, and it sells books and, you know, a lot of people prefer mm. using it, including the beat. It is our official, uh, we have a, uh, a, you know, account there, affiliate account. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't want to use Amazon, so you can send them yeah. to bookshop.org. And, uh, my understanding is that the orders, like if you order a book there, it is fulfilled through Ingram, which is the biggest wholesaler. <laughs> yes. Books, and they, yes. and they drop ship. For many people behind the scenes, yes. and bookshop.org also has a thing, if I'm not mistaken, where you can create a bookstore yes. in the name of your store, and you get a, you get a piece of the sales. Correct, and all but it's yeah. like a storefront. It's like a yeah. Shopify. I mean, I say Shopify in that you create a storefront, but it is kind of like a yeah. Shopify. Yeah, but, but it's for retail. But it is for retail sales. Right. Correct. Yeah. Uh so yeah. Uh but ICVD was creating this centralized clearinghouse. Um, for what, like you say, Calvin, sounds like backlist. So yeah, he has an interesting, I mean, Milton has an interesting quote in the, in their release about it and how, um, uh, let's see, it's been clear for some time that the supply chain for game and comic stores has a problem with backlist, lesser known in the quantity products that may not be as profitable to start. So mm-hmm. they're, I guess they're trying to carving out a piece of the marketplace where they can kind of deliver really efficiently. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure who's paying for this, so I'd have to look at the terms, but, uh, more to come on that, yeah, really. Yeah, but, uh, obviously Milton knows the distribution yes. game, and, uh, I can see him really looking at it, okay, how can we do this in a way that will work? Yeah. So. I'm trying to see if we covered all our pacts, cause there were, oh, uh, uh, uh nope, oh, here's another one. There's one more. Speaking of which, PRH yes. has signed a deal with Wattpad Webtoon to distribute some of their books, uh, because they have their own uh, their own imprint. Uh, they have a kind of a they have a webtoon book group. Yes. Uh, this is obviously after Naver, the Korean uh, digital platform, mm-hmm. acquired Wattpad, and they kind of brought it all together. Mm-hmm. To, yeah. And uh, this is more on as uh, we're seeing digital comics uh, on these webtoon platforms making their way into the print world. Correct. Correct. Uh, and on a sad note. Diamond announced that they will not hold a retailer summit in 2024. Now, they had originally announced it for Orlando in February, which sounds pleasant, to be honest. I was mm. thinking, hey, well, maybe I'll go. Uh, and then, uh, because Comics Pro is being held uh, in two weeks' time, well, yeah, in three weeks' time, uh, they realized it was a conflict. People couldn't go to you know, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they said they were postponing it. And then they said, after careful consideration, Diamond has made a decision to cancel the previously postponed retailer summit. We understand that this news may be disappointing and we still sincerely apologize. Um, you know, Milton actually wrote a big long thing about it. And, uh, you know, uh, the retailer summits have been a constant in the comics world for the mm. last 40 years. So that is kind of, uh, yeah, it's tale a, of the tape. Yeah. You know, side of the times. And, uh, of course, I've been probably more retailer summits than anyone who isn't a Diamond uh, employee. You, mm-hmm. you absolutely have. <laughs> you covered for us, for sure. For, for PW. And, but guess what? I am going to Comics Pro. Yeah. I okay. don't know if I meant, have I mentioned that here on the podcast before? Not on the podcast. I Just to us am in person. going to Park. Well, yeah. it wasn't quite a, uh, official, 
but I am going. And uh, Bridget is also Bridget Alverson. Oh, great! I mean, I, I heard they, are, they aren't they a little worrisome or well the cautious pa- about media yes. coverage. And the, previously, the press was literally banned from mm. covering it, or you know, prohibited from going. Which, hey, Comics Pro is a private organization. Yeah. Uh, it's you, their prerogative. Yeah. Of course, I was sorely disappointed but i completely understand and i didn't struggle with it because uh, everybody else went so i just would do a write around yes and you always um, found a way to write about it <laughs> yeah quiz people and gossip yeah. so at uh, this time no need to quiz and gossip i'll be there to see it myself of course you know there's been a little bit of negotiation but uh, a couple of other outlets are going and um just a handful but this is really Everyone's going to be there. This is uh, the really, I got to be honest, probably the biggest business meeting of the year for the comics industry, and it couldn't come at a more interesting time. Okay. There you go. All right. Yeah. Heidi has spoken. Oh, and one more quick thing, because so much, like I said, everybody got over the holidays, has been working on their announcements. They made it all. Okay. So the book scan numbers are out, and ICV2, again, does have... Uh, a list of the top 10 adult graphic novels and the top 10 kids graphic novels. I will say at the beat, we have received the whole list because Brian Hibbs does his analysis of it. Unfortunately, it takes Brian months to do that. So it might not be out until March or possibly even April, but I'm hoping March. And um, so we might do something in the meantime. But uh yeah, the top adult, this is actually really interesting to me. The top adult graphic novels. Number one was Demon Slayer, Kaimetsu no Yaiba, Volume 1. Number two was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The hmm. Last Ronin, and published by IDW. And that was just a huge, huge hit for IDW, hmm, as continued to sell very, very well. They could use that. Every other book on the list was manga, except <laughs> for two. Now, can you guess what the two are? Any guesses? Any guesses? Uh, Laura Olympus? Yes. Good one, Calvin. Uh, volume th- 4, coming in at 18. That, you don't have to be a comics expert. No. <laughs> and there's one other that's not Laura Olympus. Let's see. Any guesses? Huh. Any guesses? Any guesses? Hmm. It's not that um, horse and the... No. No, good. But, okay. But <laughs> no, of, no, not, no, no, no not shade. The horse, the and the, yeah, the no whatever. shade, but just curious. Uh, it's it's kind of wimpy kid. No, that's a kid's book. But uh, you're kind of closing date, in. A date but pilky kind of, book? What? A date pilky book? No. No, no those are kids books. Those this are kids books. This is adult. adult. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's by the creator of a beloved uh, comic strip. Is it the new book out from... Bill Watterson. Yes. Oh, the mysteries. The good mysteries. one. The mysteries. Oh, very good, Kate. Yeah, good, Kate. It came in at 14 yeah. of mysteries by Wilma. I mean, I would be shocked if that didn't at least chart. I mean, yeah. Come on, yeah. it's Bill Watterson. Uh, top 20 kids graphic novels. Um, 13 of the top 20 were by Dave Pilkey. Okay. Uh, the ones that were <laughs> not, were not Dave Pilkey was the Babysitter's Club, volume 13. Wow, that is a popular mm. series. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. By Scott Carthart, another really mm. popular series. Uh, five Nights of uh, Two by Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, Babysitters, another one. Uh, and then Wings. And of- this is Babysitters under the new creative yes, team. Yes, Katie. Well, one is by Katie Farina, mm. and one was by Cynthia Yuan Chang. Mm. So they even have different creators there. The other was The Wings of Fire, and then coming in at number twenty. Heartstoppers oh, okay. uh, by Alice mm-hmm. Oseman. So, yep, those were the biggest sellers of the year. Buy them up. Uh, okay. Um, uh, do we have time uh, to mention the uh, disruption? We've got 15 minutes. Yeah. Article. Well, let's, well, sure, let's do it. Um, uh, well, I'd love to, I want to hear what you guys have to think, have to say. Uh, we ran a piece today uh, uh, over this week on The Beat. Uh, by a new writer that I have, and he, he really wanted to write this piece. Christian Angelus is his name. And as I called it, it was kind of a unified field theory for the disruption. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Was it was very long, and it's why we split it up to three parts. But I, I thought it was really interesting and important, just a smart conversation, uh, to just really, you know, it's called It's Not Just Comics. Obviously, we've been talking about comics being... Uh, disrupted for a while here, but yeah. um, he really talks just about what's going on in the movie industry, the video game industry, mm-hmm. the software, the streaming, 
and just um everything is being disrupted right now and i mean you just see i mean i subscribe to the ankler and puck and you know all these these newsletters about Mm -hmm. the entertainment industry and they're just every day is what the hell is happening yeah the the ankler uh certainly is like a a black mirror version <laughs> of our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, from the, the media movie executive uh, side of the desk. Well, when we were going to Calvin, when we were going over <clears throat> the story list, you sort of were like, twas ever thus. Well, well, I mean, yes, the way, way giant media companies operate, uh, you know, I, I, I don't pretend to understand it. Um, I actually thought his, overview was uh actually kind of refreshing in that even in the midst of some of the giant stupid corporate tricks um i mean he talks about how you know yes there's fatigue with uh superhero movies but they still sort of dominate all of the lists uh oh yes is is disney pivoting away from content well maybe but most of the movies are disney movies people are more unlikely to go and see want to see a disney movie um and then I, you know, so much of this is, uh, at 30,000 feet, mm. uh, which is, which is still good to know, which I, I'm not throwing any kind of shade on it. But once again, I sort of settled in the, the, into the era that the disruption in the comics industry, um, uh, you know, as I called it, you know, I continue to call it a market correction. Uh, it's hard to see comics in a being in a crisis when we are seeing it being flooded with all these new fans, with all of these new kinds of ways of thinking about comics. Uh, even we're starting to see even old publishing taking a peek at this and realizing with imprints like Inkor that there's a market out there that we need to also be thinking about. Um, so it, it's it, like I said, yeah, please jump in I, I at think, any point. I think- it does, it's not what he's saying, I don't think. He's specifically saying disruption, not downturn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disruption is yeah, in okay. move fast and break things. Mm-hmm. Disruption as in turmoil. Not necessarily a shrinking of the market so much as, as he's saying, it's not just comics, of how major entertainment companies are experiencing a change in their business models, like things that worked for the last 10 years are not working the same way anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I don't disagree formulas with that, at all. that people had kind of gotten used to working. Now people are twiddling them and trying to figure out what's next, what's new, what's I mean, going to work. Yeah. And, and I, it's not just comics that's happening. In. And I, I mean, I just think one of the, the, you know, the biggest things is that obviously, you know, we're, uh, you know, post pandemic. And also, by the way, PW has banned the term the new normal. So that, I think that's important though. <laughs> but I, but I think that's, I think it is very important to acknowledge that, like, we don't need to point out that this is normal anymore because we're living it, right? Yeah. But, but one of the, uh, just accidents of history is that the pandemic came along just as everyone was pivoting to the streaming model. So you had the perfect captive yeah. audience for all of these platforms, <clears throat> and yet they haven't all prospered, you know? And so some of them are still growing, some of them are losing money, but I mean, you know, I, I, I think, you know, part of what this is about is, is just also, I, let's be honest, so many businesses are just completely foundering right now, including journalism. I mean, just ever, there was four or five stories last week about how, Online media is just, there's no life raft. There's no lifeline. There's no life preserver. There's, uh, yeah. there's just, you know, when Sports Illustrated goes down because it had some weird licensing deal with a bunch of VC companies divvying it up. Uh, there's no brand that is safe anymore. So, I mean, that was just part of the, part of the conversation. Hmm. Just, you know, nothing is safe anymore except Apple. True. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, and Netflix. I, I, well, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the story. Mm-hmm. So I think some of it is, quite frankly, a, a dry up and retrenchment in, in venture capital because as interest rates go up, 
Um, it makes investing in every startup there is make less sense, right? It means that investors, if they want something safe, have relatively safe options that will give them at least a little bit of interest. So the tendency to throw everything at one startup or another in the hopes that one of them will become the next Netflix, uh, the incentives are different now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the quote unquote free money is drying yeah. up. Oh yeah. So it's, you know, it's make or break time. And I mean, I mean, I think I've talked about this on, I think we have talked about this on the podcast before, but, um, uh, you know, another little story was just that after, not after, AWA laid off their direct sales manager. Hmm. Um, now what does that mean? You know, uh, is there all these companies that are based on the periodical model? I mean, we've just, it's a heavy rate of churn. Yeah. And, you know, also, um, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have millions of dollars. You know, look at Zest World. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yes. Is anybody looking at Zest World? No, no one is. <laughs> and it's done. And, you know, nothing. I, I did. They have nothing to announce. Hmm. The website is still up. They had something like eight or nine million dollars to fool around with. And, uh, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we all wrote real nice articles about yeah, it. Yeah, we all wrote nice right. And interviewed their CEO. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, took me well, out you know, coffee, so that was nice. Yeah. The, the old joke. We all know the old joke. Oh, yeah. How do you, <laughs> how do you make a small fortune in comics? But you, you, you know, start with a large one. Yes. But absolutely. you know, there's a new meme going around that I've been sending to everyone and it shows the dude. I might have sent it to you guys. But, uh, I have to find it. Hold on. Once. Well, you guys talk about yourselves while I find this meme. Because, oh, here we go. Uh, it's like the, you know, wise man. He says, take a man to buy comics at his local comic shop and he will be poor for a week. Teach a man how to make his <laughs> yes. own comics and he will be poor for his entire <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> so I. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, funny because uh, of how often it is true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, cause I actually think it's a very informative article. And I think this article is very good also. If you are, if you're reading snatches here and there about what does, you know, where is the streaming market going and what is, you know, uh, you know, what's happening with, you know, with Disney and, you know, what's happening now that the writer's strike is over and, uh, it it really does give a sort of a uh, it gives you a co- a coherent kind of view from thirty thousand feet. Yeah, and and I think one of the things that's awesome was interesting about it that I hadn't really thought about before um, was that the writer uh, Christian Angelis it really has worked a lot about writing about video games. And you know what the biggest form of entertainment is right now? Yeah, well, video games. Video games. And you know we don't really talk about that. Um, but we all play some kind of video game, I assume. I mean, I play three and they take up my life way too much. I just realized that today because I was walking over here and kind of stressed out and I was like, oh, damn, I, cause I overslept and I was like, you know, I gotta get to the office. I gotta get ready for this podcast. I got all this other stuff I have to do. And I was like, oh, damn it. I didn't finish my Pokemon Go task. If I don't do it, if I don't kill six rocket grunts in the next four hours, I'm not going to get my extra pose. And, you know, I stopped and I did that. So anyway, I just, the personal confession, and that's Pokemon Go. I mean, talking to people who got Baldur's Gate 3 for Christmas. Yeah. And just, you know, like, like, I don't think we really... Um, talk about how I, huge this I, is. I actually have an anecdote for you. Okay. Um, as someone who doesn't play video games, but just reads a lot of comics and a lot about comics, um, it is rumored that the reason for the hiatus of the manga Delicious in Dungeon oh. is that the mangaka decided to take some time off to play Baldur's Gate 3. Mm-hmm. I believe it. No, wait, Kate, you don't play any games on your phone. I play... Zero video game. So you no phone games. You don't play any phone games. None. Wow. You've never I, even look, played I, Candy I, Crush I have, Saga. I have I have tried video games and I I just look. No geek can be every geek. <laughs> the, I I think the 
the extra neurons I have devoted to way too many hours of podcasts per day uh, <laughs> are the ones that would have otherwise been taken up by video games. Well, God bless. Um, I, I so it has, somebody out there has to be well, the one I, geek who, who just uh, is fine with them. I don't disapprove with them at all. I just, they don't gel with my I brain. Listen to podcasts while I play video games. Hey, I mean, I go together. <laughs> Sounds absolutely legit. Great. Absolutely Have fun. Great. Calvin, what about you? I, um, I had, uh, I had a brief, in, uh, period of obsession with video games. Uh, um, cause when Jody, the fabulous Jody Calkin, uh, got me a PlayStation. Oh. And, uh, so I had a. And she brief... broke it. <laughs> well, she's really good at it, if I may say so. Uh, I, but I'm, I, I'm not good at it, but it's, it's, they're scary. What games were you playing? Uh, we had, uh, GTA, we had Grand Theft Auto, which we were, we were awful at. Uh, Gran Turismo, which I completely love. The car racing game. I love game. racing games. I love, I love, I love owning cars, but you don't have to park oh. them and get oh. car insurance. And <laughs> just, you can just ride around in these races. And I love the Simpson game. Uh, and oh, well, there was one other game, this beautifully designed game where you kind of roll the entire world up. What was it called? I can't remember. We Katamari Damacy. Katamari Damacy. Fabulous game. Ah, that was you're, you're good. Yeah. We should get I, you I, on a I'm, trivia I'm, show. I'm, I'm telling you, I well, incidentally in high school I was. And you don't play games, so how did you know you just got it? I, I absorb it because I'm I'm not anti video game, and I live yeah. in geek culture. I live in geek land. Everybody I know and love plays video games if they are not blood related to me. Yeah, um, no, same, I hear. And you. I am just not amongst their number. Right. And, I, and it's like me when I go to Vegas. Yeah. I don't gamble, but I know the names of the casinos. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. Do, I don't play them anymore. I, I I had to stop. I was I was playing like three hours a night. Mm-hmm. It. It's, it was it was crazy, and I'm then finally that's not normal. I mean, I play three hours of Diablo. Immortal well, it's just night. like if we, I, I, you have if you have a, other things to do, it can be a real problem. Cal- Calvin, you're retired now. Well, that's true, but uh, I'm and I don't know. We will see. That well, I may. Well, I'm speak, trying to do some other things well, besides speaking, play video games. Speaking of time, it looks like we're almost out of time for this podcast, and um, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. But the point is. Kate is totally, you know, she'll be this I am legend. She'll be, you know, Will Smith when everyone else who has the gene to play video <laughs> yes. games is killed. I, yeah, I, I think it, it's some weird brain deformity that uh, video games just don't work for my brain. I, I'm, I'm fine with them existing. I just don't get it. But I'm very happy for all the people who enjoy it. Okay, yeah. yeah. But anyway, just as a, you know, video games are the most popular. And you know yes. what? Most of our friends and relatives, well, my relatives, like I said, over Christmas, my cousins are all talking about video games. So anyway. Yeah. And they're um, all becoming comics and they're I, all becoming movies. Yeah, but they're, <laughs> yes, they are. And meanwhile, all of the video game companies have been laying off thousands of people. So mm. there's even in the world's most popular media, we are just seeing this, uh, arm, you know, uh, uh, churn, churn, you yeah. know, seven plagues. I mean, yeah. just, just change, yeah. massive change. Change happens. It's not And this is at bad. a time where there seems like there's yeah. more content from more places than ever before. Well, with well, all, I mean, that's I part mean, of maybe it. Maybe that's the that's problem. Part, but it's not so much a problem as, well, as we've seen in comics over, say, the last 15 years, that if you have an easy entry to market and you have a large audience, you're going to have a lot of little publishers start up mm-hmm. and a lot of little publishers fail and a few make it to the top. Yeah. And uh, I was, I, I have had many conversations with friends about this over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, again, it's the beginning of the year. So everybody's like thinking about what is going to mm-hmm. happen this year. And, uh, you know, there's two themes that have emerged from this. And the one is that uh, kind of what this piece was saying and that disruption is everywhere, but I call it the, you know, the old gods are dying or dead. Hmm. You know, there came a day when the old gods had died and a new gods arose in the words of Jack Kirby and just nothing that we took for granted is uh, necessarily the way anymore. Yeah. And, and it's yeah, fine. Absolutely. And that's fine. And that's yeah. fine. You know what? The next new thing will come through the cracks of the machine and yeah. whatever it is that works. Uh, but the other, and the other thing is like, it is the worst possible time to be trying to sell periodical comics and start your own little IP company based on periodical comics uh, to make money doing it. But you know what? In a time of disruption, why not shoot your shot? 
Why sure. not throw your hat in the ring? You know what? Get in there. We don't know where those cracks in the machine are going to be. So maybe you will find that crack. Yeah. That's- Just be smart about your funding model. Yeah. Don't so, uh, your own money. Would, would you, uh, believe listeners that the, uh, podcast topic list email began with the words, Slow news week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go. Perfect, perfect spot to end it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and because, in case you haven't figured it out, there will be more to come. Okay. So, yeah, that was my virus scan. Sorry. <laughs>